Hi, and welcome to the Hand in Hand Show, where caregivers and survivors have honest discussions about stroke. We are a part of Stroke Focus Podcasts. This is Cam, your host. Hello, everyone. This is Cam, and you're listening to the Hand in Hand Show, a part of Stroke Focus. Today, we're here with Naomi Feigl. She is a stroke survivor. On April 8th of 2010, she actually went in for a full hip replacement. And this was not the first surgery she had after having aortic valve replacement done in 1989. Naomi realized her left side didn't work, but she was able to talk. And during this time, though, a nurse came in to do vitals and asked if she was a stroke patient. And she informed them no. And the nurse told her, well, you are now. And a male nurse asked Naomi to tell her husband she had a stroke. No doctor ever visited with him for several hours when he arrived at the hospital. She was in critical condition for about three days, and the doctors were concerned that she would not make it. And that being said, I want to introduce Naomi and let her tell the rest of it. Hello, Naomi. Hi. While you were still in the hospital. But it did sound like nobody told your husband that you had had a stroke. No, what they did was I had gone to sleep after the surgery. I was fine. And what they did was wake me up to do vitals. That's when they told me, you are now a stroke patient. And I didn't see a physician. And I was informed to give my husband the information over the phone. That's how he found out I had a stroke from me directly. And when he got to the hospital, no physician saw him for several hours. I'm not sure what transpired after that. And they did realize cognitively I had not had a fried brain. Just the left side was just not moving at all. Nothing. At that time, it sounds like you stayed in the hospital for about six weeks. Well, I stayed in the hospital where the surgery was in CCU for two weeks, and then I was medically transported to rehabilitation facility. And is that where you stayed for about six weeks? An additional five, yes. Since then, you have done all kinds of therapies, occupational, physical, and you've set small and achievable goals, which is something we all know is important because if you go too big, you may be disappointed that you don't make your goal as soon as you wanted to. So I think that's wonderful that you did the small and achievable goals. But you also talked about frustration and anger. Can you tell me about that? Well, just recently I read in the Stroke Smart magazine uh, something that has never been labeled or discussed before. It's a medical PSTD. I know I suffered that, and I kept trying to find a counselor, a psychologist that had had a stroke, because unless you've had a stroke, you really don't understand the frustration of what people go through. I had a very nice lady, but she didn't understand the stroke. She addressed my marriage, not the stroke. Yeah, that is a problem in finding a counselor or a therapist that understands. I don't have one that had a stroke, but he actually works 
in the rehab hospital with stroke patients, amputees, all sorts of different people with different disabilities. And I think he is more attuned, even though he hasn't had one. But to find somebody like that is very difficult. True. So I just had tried to calm down, which is not easy for me since prior to the stroke, I was very, very active, always very busy. And so when I woke up April 9th, I was a completely different person. Yeah, that's something that a lot of people don't understand. We are the same person, but we're different. Things are different for us. The way we see things, uh, anxiety, or as you said, PTSD, I'm different in ways that we couldn't ever have imagined. Are you still working through this? Well, actually, I can't deal with it or I'll let it flare up because I lost my husband a few months ago, so I'm by myself. So I have to keep it under control and just know I have to, day by day, uh, get by. Before he passed away, it sounds like you all did a lot of traveling. Yes, he was wonderful as far, far as that goes. And it sounds like you also found things that you needed to do in order to travel safely. Yes. Like I had written, every time we traveled to a new place, the first thing we did was check out the bathroom because I always brought one of those suction hand wall handle things in case it was a bathtub I had to climb into. And to figure out how to get my makeup on and do my hair and stuff. And we worked all of that out for every single trip. I have been traveling recently and a couple of different kinds of hotels. And even when you ask for a handicapped accessible room, it's not always handicapped accessible as far as the bathtub, shower, well, the whole bathroom. In one of the places, it was like there were no bars, and the bars they w there were were on the back part of the wall, not to help you get out as easily. And the guy at, at one of the hotels said to use this rack that was on the shower head. He said, it's, it's in there well enough. You can use that as a, a handle. I'm like, what? It's, it's not meant for that. And people don't understand that either. And so we are also working to figure out different things that we might need to bring. And that was a good idea, the suction cup. Um, I don't know what it's called, but it has suction on both ends. And you can adhere right. it to most surfaces. I've seen them. I've, I've, we've actually gotten a few for my mom. But I had never thought about taking them with me when I went on a trip. So that's great to know. Are there other things when you were traveling that you all found that worked better for you? Well, I was very verbal. Uh, like if I was going on a boat ride, I would say to the people, I cannot by myself step on a moving surface. And people have been very kind and carried me on so I can enjoy the experience. That's good because I know that some boats don't have like a plank or something that you can no. walk across. No. And even if they did, I don't have enough balance 
to be to feel safe on doing that. But even stepping down just from the dock to the boat can be a hassle. I've learned to um, express my needs when I'm out, explaining I'm a stroke survivor and I still want to do this. Will you help me? And there's never been any issue. I've not found when I ask for things that people are mean or, or intentionally, you know, don't help me. But we've had to learn to do that, haven't we? Yes. So you also, during all this time, you never gave up. And you were aggressive with therapies. And even though you stayed in the hospital for that five to six weeks, you kept moving and you kept going. Let me back up to the hospital. Uh, The therapist really understood my desire to get well. So if they had a patient that declined their therapy session, they would say, okay, Naomi, you can have an extra one today. And that happened very frequently because of my desire to um, get better. That's huge. Ironically, the um, person I had in the rehab facilities for a few weeks was a very young guy with a lot of tattoos, and I thought to myself, this is not going to work. But being open-minded and driven to recover, I gave it a shot. It turns out he was a professional musician, which I had been, so we could talk music, so we had something in common, and we bonded for those five weeks. Oh, that's great. Well, that was a very critical period, so it was important that I tried to reach out to, to the person. And I couldn't at that point say, I don't like that one. I need someone else. So you have learned that when you get frustrated, you say to yourself three things that you're grateful for and that you can do it, and it seems to help. Yes, because right now... If I find there are days I will drop 50% of the things I pick up, and thank God I'm able to pick them up. So if I feel myself getting frustrated, I will say, okay, stop and be grateful for three things, which helps calming down. Absolutely. Gratitude and thankfulness, I think, are, are huge in recovery also. And so I do wake up every day and find three things to be thankful for. I mean, that's every day when I wake up. Yes. What kind of support did you receive after leaving the hospital? Well, when I came home, it was such a different world. And I knew after a few weeks, my husband, for his mental health, had to go back to work. So we asked my daughter's ex-boyfriend, who was not well enough to work, but well enough to babysit me, to come and take me to therapy and make sure I had my meals during the day. And so he did that for a while. And my husband was able to have a respite at work. Actually, getting away from stroke was something he needed to do. And I was glad that we had that person available to help me. And as far as um, therapy... I was my own advocate. I had to be very careful because there are a lot of people out there, yes, I can help you, yes, I can help you, but I learned over the years 
there's two kinds of therapy. The functional therapy, which teaches you to live every day, like how to make an omelet, how to slice an onion, or the other therapy that just you're just a number. They put you on a machine to exercise your arm. So I had to learn all of this information for myself, for my own well-being. What do you think has been the most frustrating part of your stroke experience? I think the ignorance, how people can help us, how the medical field can help us. And the other thing is Medicare will only pay X amount for one year. So you have to space out you, all your therapy so you're not in a gray area at all with no therapy. And I was a denied from one section, um, one therapy facility. They told me, we can't help you anymore. You have to go someplace else. That was a big gut-wrenching uh, blow to me. Could they not help you because you were so advanced, or could they not no. help you because you didn't they understand? Medic- Medicare would not pay for my therapy anymore, which is ridiculous. It's not a facelift. It's therapy. Yeah, I, that's a common problem with many people. I have experienced that also, but at least some of us are able to write letters in support of it and at times we can continue getting the therapy but it does take a lot of work to keep that so you live in las vegas yes how do you feel stroke support is there do you have stroke support groups do you have doctors who seem to support the stroke community I went to one stroke support group, and all she did was talk about her knee issues. And said, I said to Rich, this is not working for me. We have to find someplace else. So we went to another one 10 miles away. But he was alive at the time and could drive me back and forth easily. So I went to that one. That was a very uh, encouraging because we had meetings once a month, and what they did was at one of the meetings, not all, every three or four months, they would have the caregivers in one room and the stroke patients in another, and it was so beneficial for my husband. Once he passed, I have not been back to a meeting because it would take me 45 minutes to an hour to drive there side roads. I don't drive on the freeway at all. Yeah, I like the fact that the caregivers can go to a different area to have their meeting because they may want to say stuff that might upset you or whoever they're with. You were told, or your husband was, that you wouldn't be able to drive and he then canceled your car insurance? Oh, I went through the roof in the hospital. I said to him, in a very vulgar way, I didn't die, get that insurance back on. So I, I knew down the road, if I could think this much, down the road I would be capable of driving. I don't think they thought so because I was so critically ill. Well, I think stroke survivors are used to doctors saying, you're not going to be able to do this, and we fight back and say, oh, yes, we will, and you know, and then we do it. Yep. Because we have to prove them wrong, 
because, again, they haven't had a stroke. They don't get it. I guess uh, the last thing is what advice would you give to stroke survivors and caregivers? My thing is if there's something that you want to accomplish, figure out a, a way to do it. No matter what it is, there is a way. I even ziplined after the stroke in a chair zipline. So that's my point is you can do what you want to do. But you have to be your own advocate because um, people don't know you have the determination to be able to accomplish things. Absolutely. And, yes, we can do things that we put our minds to. It might not be today. It might not be tomorrow. But it, it might take us a little bit to do it. But we can do it. I tell people all the time, you talk about zip lining. I don't know that I do that just because I don't like heights, but I have done archery. I've gone to the shooting range. I, in fact, when we're done here today, I'm going to go take my first golf lesson. So we don't have to sit home and we can do things. That's huge that you did zip lining. So you're like my hero. So go zip lining for me again, please. Well, one of the things is, is and in my other life, I was a professional musician. So I had to sell my work guitar so I could buy a house that was safer for me than the one Rich and I lived in. And the one thing I said, I have to bring, I can't, I sold my guitar, but I'm not selling my baby grand. So I brought my baby grand with me to the new house. And I had seen a show on TV where this man didn't have one of his hands. And there was music written for one-handed playing. So I obtained music for one right-handed playing. And like just before this interview, I was practicing. So I can still enjoy something that's so a part of me. That is fantastic. I hope, though, you get a guitar again sometime. Yeah, and the other thing I do is I volunteer at the local police department. So what do you do there when you volunteer? As a volunteer in my bright yellow shirt and greet people and direct them to where they need to go. And what I like about that, for five hours, I'm not a stroke survivor, I'm not a widow, and I'll always be old, but, you know, they don't look at that quite as bad. Takes focus off of the things that could upset me. You have to cook for yourself, and you do that one-handed. Yes, I've devised quite a way to manage that. The first thing I did was make sure I could find all chopped vegetables in the frozen section, and fortunately, today you can. And the spiral, spiralized vegetables, everything you want is frozen. So I have a freezer full of that. And I found out George Foreman is my friend. I have a George Foreman grill. And then I, I couldn't use a crock pot because the crock pot insert is way too heavy. You need two hands to take it out to clean it. So I said, okay, the Instapot comes in three-quart. 
Okay, so what I did was I went and bought the Instapot. I don't use the pressure cooker. I'm afraid of that portion of it. And as we're speaking right now, I have dinner on in the Instapot. Because once I uh, cook the food, I can ladle it into the uh, dish and then easily lift it out and clean it. So wherever there's something you need to do, there is a workaround. So I enjoy cooking at home again. That's great. I know here, you know, yes, you can get the frozen things. But now I've been finding in the, the fresh food section, I've been finding different vegetables and fruits that are pre-cut that I can just dump into recipes or salads or whatever it is, and I don't have to cut. Well, <laughs> the, reason, the reason I uh, use the frozen, I tried fresh cut. When you're cooking for one person, you don't use enough of it. It goes bad too quickly. So that's why I stick to the frozen. I have less waste. Well, Naomi, thank you for being here with us today. I'm so glad you were, and I hope at some time you can come back and talk to us again. Thank you. Thanks for listening to today's episode of the Hand in Hand Show. We hope you enjoyed it. If you would like to keep the discussion going, please join Stroke Focus, the social media website dedicated to stroke survivors and caregivers. The website address is https colon backslash backslash www.strokefocus.net. Stroke Focus is S-T-R-O-K-E-F-O-C-U-S. Stroke Focus is a part of Warhalla which in Mandarin means I have survived. If you wish to be a part of the show or would like to be interviewed as part of the show, please contact us at contact at strokefocus.net.